You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We're on a a series right now, Everything That We Need. And uh, before we get into the passage of Scripture, um, I guess I have a confession to make. When it comes to snacking, there are certain foods that if they're before me, I have a hard time stopping once I start. Not peanut Oreo cookies, biscuits. No, that's not it. So the, the first one is a Doritos, and not just any Doritos. It's the no, too fast. The chili heat wave Doritos. In some senses, I when I start to eat them, I feel this is a blessing from God, and then as I keep eating them, I realize it's a curse from the enemy. I've consumed more of these in public settings than I ought to have. If they're in front of me, I have a hard time stopping. But Doritos is one. The next one is olives. Um, olives is one of those things, again, if there's a bowl of olives, I tend to start eating and eating. Um, and it's one of those things I struggle to stop. Um, hummus with crackers or carrots. Um, again, I don't know if you've you have this kind of weakness, but sometimes I come home after kind of being here for the day and I go home and, and dinner's not quite ready and I, I, I'll just have a little bit of hummus and a cracker and then another cracker and then another cracker and then another cracker. And pretty soon I ate a whole meal's worth of hummus and crackers um, before even dinner is to start. Um, now, I know, probably, I'm sure most of us, we, there's certain foods that we all kind of particularly enjoy. Maybe these three that I've mentioned is not your thing. But I know there's some people in this room that the next one might be your thing. Um, so, <laughs> some of you might struggle on the side of chocolate. How many, how many chocolate would be your, okay, so there's a, 50% of you, chocolate is one of those things. For me, one's enough. Um, but I know there's those that one is never enough. Um, and uh, yeah, chocolate has this addictive ability, doesn't it? Um, the problem is, is not necessarily with the one or two things that we have, but often it's when we start to overindulge, right? And, and then what was once pleasurable becomes sickening. Um, and I think probably all of us have had those moments where you just overindulge in something you really enjoy, and you come to a point of being ill. Uh, even I found buffets to be like that. Uh, have you been to these buffets where there's all sorts of foods from international cuisine? And you think, I've only got one plate. How do I do this? So you try to portion yourself a bit, but then you, you tend to always overeat because, you, well, I didn't have that yet. Oh, I haven't had, oh, I didn't realize there was old Chinese sect. Oh, there's Italian as well. Whoa. And you start to eat all this food. And at the end of the day, it comes down to a struggle of self-control, doesn't it? of stopping when you should have stopped, uh, but you keep going. This leads us on well to the passage that we're going to look at today as we continue on our journey through 2 Peter chapter 1. And so we're going to read it again, just in case you've forgotten what this passage is. 2 Peter chapter 1 is going to be on the screen behind me. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance 
and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, by his grace, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. When we sign up to the Christian faith and we say, God, I give you my heart. And at that moment, whenever that was in your life, you said, Jesus, have your way in me. He provides us with everything we need to now live out this Christian walk. Everything. Everything is ours. However, when we look at scripture, although everything is made possible to us and everything, every provision has been given to us to live this out, there are certain things that we need to be growing in, in ever increasing measure. God doesn't want us to be ineffective and unproductive in our walk with him. He doesn't want us to stay as infants. Sometimes we can give our lives to him and we don't grow. And an undeveloped person, uh, even in the physical realm, if if a child is born and doesn't grow and just stays an infant, there's a problem, right? And that child becomes unproductive and and not able to go on in life because there's something wrong. And the same thing for us. We can give our lives to Jesus, but getting to know him, we we need to start growing and and developing certain areas of our lives. And so that's why it says, add to your faith, right? Because all of this is made possible through faith. But then adding to faith, we need to to grow in goodness, which we looked at a few weeks ago. We need then to to grow in our knowledge, to know Christ better, to, to know his love, to know his leading. And this week, we're going to look at this, the next one, to add to your knowledge, self-control. Now, in the New Testament, there are two different Greek words that have been translated into self-control. So again, the English language, often we see this, uh, the English language, we, we, we don't quite know how to put that word into it. So we don't have two different words for self-control. So we just use self-control. Love is another example of that. So the first one that we see mostly is nepho which means to be sober, to be calm and collected in spirit. In most references of being self-controlled in the word, we have this Greek word, nepho. As an example, in 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, the the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So what does that mean? It means to be sober, to be calm, to be collected in spirit, to be control your, your, your spirit and pray. However, two times in scripture, self-control is, has a different word. And this one first, we, well, we see it in, in 2 Peter 1, 6. And the word comes from ekratia. Say that with me, ekratia. You might be learning the complete wrong enunciation of that word, but let's have it a go. Ekratia. One more time. Ekratia. Ekratia. This word comes from uh, the meaning or has a meaning, the, the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially sensual appetites. Okay, so when we look at this self-control, it isn't about being calm in spirit, but it's about mastering desires and passions, especially sensual appetites. We need to have self-control. To start with, in all of us, 
There are sensual appetites that come from our old nature. All of us have it. None of us are exempt from that. For each one of us, it could be different. It could be of a sexual nature. It could be to have stuff. It could be experiences. It could be gambling. It could be lying. It could be pornography. It could be all sorts of stuff that we have in us, our old nature, this this sensual desires that, that want things. All of us have it. Would you agree? If you, if you, um, let your imagination go wild, you will go there. Um, it's, it's what your old nature has an appetite for. And if this appetite is not fed, it remains this quiet little voice of temptation deep in the background of the recesses of our mind. It's just a silent little quiet voice. But the funny thing about desire is that if we give way to it, if we give way to the appetite, it grows and becomes stronger. Because the appetite is not satisfied, but always wants more. When you give way to sensual desires, of, especially of your flesh, the funny thing is, no matter how much you satisfy it, it wants more. It's never enough. Again, I think, you know, we can want things. And so you, if I only had that car, if I only had that house, if I only had that motorcycle. I know I've used this a few times as my example, but it's true. If I only had that, I, I would be happy. But the funny thing is you get that. And then in a week later, oh, there's another new one. There's, a, there's, there's something else. You see, those things, they just don't satisfy. You know, again, we can even look at a sexual sin or, or sexual desires. And, and it, no matter how far you go down that road, there, there's still a desire for more. I had a friend that I, I um, uh, got to know very well when I was living in Holland. And uh, we lived together. So we didn't live together. He lived in a different place, but we worked together. Let me get that straight. And um, he he was a, an Ethiopian guy. He um, uh, was was married, but his wife was in Ethiopia. He had come to to um, Holland as a as a refugee. And uh, in his days before he knew Jesus, he had such a sexual appetite uh, uh, that he would be going to prostitutes three to four times a day, every day. You know, how is that even humanly possible? But no matter how many times he went, it, it, there was something that just drove him to go more, to go more, to go more. It was, it was an addiction. He just could not stop until he met Jesus. And something changed in him the day he met Jesus. It has a spiraling effect. Our flesh desires, passions will always lead us to destruction. Do you know the enemy loves and his desires to steal, kill and destroy whatever good that God wants to do in our lives. And the thing is, is if the, 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 the pleasure of sin or, or going after these things is pleasurable for a moment, isn't it? I'm not going to deny that. But the problem is it always leads to a consequence that is a far higher price than we thought we would have to pay when we started on that journey. Because to keep feeding it requires more of us. Again, if if the device for us is having things, if it's having to have the latest and greatest whatever, you know, that can lead us to death. It can lead us to bankruptcy. It can lead us to all sorts of things because we don't know when to stop because that need in us can't be controlled. It always leaves us with less. Paul wrote to the Corinthians church in 1, 6, 12 that um, as believers, we're not to be mastered by anything. Paul goes on to write a little bit further in in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, which we're going to read today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 25 to 27. I didn't put the 
It says this. Everyone goes in. Uh, everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not uh, fight like a man who, who beats the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. What is Paul speaking about? He's talking about self-control, isn't he? That after he's, he's preached to everyone else, that he himself doesn't disqual himself, disqualify himself because of giving way to things in his own life that would cause him to fall. He was wanting to not be ineffective or nearsighted or disqualify himself for the prize. Very much the same thing that Peter's talking about. He, Paul understood that he needed to keep growing in this, that he had a fight to fight. He had a, a race to run. And in order for, for him to finish the, the race that God had called him to, there was strict training he had to go into that required some self-control. Julian runs marathons, bless him. <laughs> but in order to run a marathon, you shouldn't just show up to the race, race day, and decide you're going to have a go at it. There are people who do it and end up in the hospital. But before you go and compete, you go into strict training. Hearing Julian's regime, the one he did in Boston, I just think, wow. How did that happen? How do you, how do you compete at that level? Well, it happens months before you're, you're, you're not allowing yourself certain things in order that you are in the best possible shape physically, mentally, emotionally, in order to run the race to the best of your ability. You see, there's things in our lives, if we give way to them, we, it holds us back from being the effective ministers that God wants us to be. If we give way to certain things, it's, it's like the, the weight in our physical bodies that would stop us from running the race with, with the perseverance that we need to run. These things hold us back. Paul was not immune from the desires of the flesh like we are, or sorry, just like we, just like us. He had to make every effort to add to his faith self-control. It didn't just happen as kind of part of, of the process. And so, before we start to feel a little bit of condemnation or a sense of, oh, I gotta work harder at this, there's really good news. You guys like good news? Oh. <laughs> Do you like good news? Yes. yes, we love good news. And the good news is we have help in all of this process. We have the Holy Spirit. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit that we see in Galatians 5, and actually, if you can pull up Galatians 5, we see this. Let's read it together, okay? Let's read it together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Boy, we didn't do that very well, did we? In the middle there, we see self-control. Can I tell you what? This is a very interesting thing. There's only two times ekratia is used in Scripture. And you know the second time is in this verse? The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to master sensual desires. Two times in Scripture we see this word being used, and here we have it as a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is something the Spirit of God helps us 
work out in us. I will master, uh, he, he will help us to master the desires and passions, especially our sensual appetites. It's the effect of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. This is an amazing good news, guys. Again, going back to the theme of this whole series of He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. The fruit of the Spirit in us is actually self-control over the passions and the desires that would otherwise control our lives. The Spirit gives us freedom to that. That's great news. But how does it work? If we keep reading in this passage of Scripture, and I know we've looked at this time and time again as a church, but I believe it's important, some of these foundational truths, to keep going over and in order for it to get deeply imprinted in our hearts and our minds. And so Galatians 5, before we read about the fruit of the Spirit, we see this. It says in verse 16, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Well, isn't that self-control? For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another so that you do not do what the Spirit wants. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Wow. If you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. By just default, living by the Spirit of God will help us. It it will stop us from living by our evil desires because... The two are in conflict with one another. And so it starts off, and actually let's read the bottom of this passage. We have the fruit of the Spirit. And then verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in and keep in step with the Spirit. Where does it start? It starts with living by the Spirit, doesn't it? Do you know we're told to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know this is something that we need? God has given us this amazing resource of the Holy Spirit that we can tap into. If we're filled with the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, you know what? And He comes and He moves in our hearts and we say, God, I want more of your Spirit. And I use the gifts that He's given. I, I speak in tongues. I, I, I worship. I, I, I get into the Spirit. I stay in step with the Spirit. I do what He says. In doing so, I crucify or I starve the passion and desires of my flesh. I've discovered if I'm in the Spirit, if I'm spending time in the Spirit of God, do you know what? I do not have those same desires as if I'm not in the Spirit. I think it's very difficult to speak in tongues and sin at the same time. Can I tell you that? The next time you're really tempted to indulge in something that you know you shouldn't. I tell you, get into the Spirit. It's not about trying to resist the temptation. It's about getting into the Spirit of God. And when we're in the Spirit of God, God comes and takes control of, of the desire. It starves the desire. Because our sinful nature always desires what is contrary to the Spirit. So to stop gratifying the sinful nature is not a matter of trying to stop doing what is wrong. But a matter of, which, which can lead to this potential, or perpetual feeling of failure. Rather, we get into the Spirit of God and seek after His Spirit to be at work in us. Then the sinful areas of our lives start to fall off because it doesn't have a power or control over us. And so here's this understanding again. In order for us to grow in self-control, what we need to do, the answer to growing in self-control is by growing in the Spirit. 
And the byproduct of the spirit in our lives is self-control. Not because we're trying to not do things, but because we're given the spirit of God. And the spirit puts in us the desires according to the spirit, according to God. And that helps us to walk into a place of freedom. Again, we see this passage script where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Why? Freedom from what? It's freedom from, from our, our desires, freedom from ourselves, from the things that enslave us. God has given us all everything that we need, but he calls us to live by the spirit. So we live by the spirit. We choose daily to, to be filled with him. I think it's very difficult to live out your Christian walk and not gratify the, the nature, the, the sinful nature in us or the, the, those, the passions that we have in our hearts. If we don't take any time with the spirit of God, I think it's impossible. If you want to live a Christian life that feels very condemning, hard work, a life where you feel like you're never quite good enough, don't spend time in the Spirit and just try to do it yourself. The byproduct of that is being enslaved, enslaved to the things that you don't want to do. But if you want to walk in a place of freedom and in the fullness of what He has for you, He calls us to a place where we just simply abide in His Spirit. And so we, he calls us to, to have to press in. And again, it's not running from something, but it's running to something. And so we live by the Spirit, but we also stay in the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that gives us the power. And if we're disconnected because we're busy or we, we want to do our own thing or because we're distracted or because we think somehow we can, we can find freedom on our own strength, you know what? We're, we're, we're um, fooling ourselves. It comes as we live in the place of the Spirit. We become vulnerable to that, uh, to that voice of temptation when we start to live in isolation from the Spirit. If we're not careful, we, if, we're, if we're too busy to, to spend time with the Spirit, actually that little voice of temptation becomes very strong. And if we're not careful, we fall right back into the traps that maybe we came out of before we even knew Jesus. We do not have the power to overcome on our own. It's only through Christ. You and I do not have the power to overcome our sensual desires because what are they? They're desires. It's very difficult to combat a desire. It's very easy for me not to do the things I don't want to do. Would you agree? There's certain things I've never wanted to do. For me, drugs have never been a temptation for me. I never wanted them. Never, I, I, I never, I, I was never drawn to that. But for others, that's been a huge temptation. You know, we're only tempted by the things we want to do. And so that's why it's very difficult in ourselves to combat those things because that's the thing we want to do. And if our flesh is crying out because there's no other voice in our spirit saying anything different, we give way to that because that's what we want to do. But then again, as we started off, it, it leads down a path that is only going to lead to our destruction or at the very least, us becoming ineffective in our Christian walk because we live in a life of defeat. Always not quite measuring, always never finding the victory. And so what we do is we, we sit theoretic or, um, we, we, we sit in the back row, so to speak, not really engaging because we don't feel we can because of these other things in our lives. 
And you can be a Christian a very long time, but yet never really engaging because these other desires keep having a control of our hearts. And that keeps us nearsighted. It keeps us ineffective. But again, the Spirit of God has this ability to break that in us. And so to make every effort to add self-control means I need to stay close to the Spirit of God. To make every effort means I'm going to make every effort to get into the Spirit of God because it's in the Spirit of God alone that I will find self-control. Because it's the Spirit of God that puts in me different desires. It's really funny that we can be in a worship context We can be in a place where we experience his presence. And it's funny how our desires for life change in those moments. I don't know if you've ever been to like a conference or to in a, a moment or maybe it's just an experience you've had where all of a sudden your life makes sense. You know where you're going. You want to serve Jesus. You're going to give your life for him. It's just, oh, God, I give you everything. How many have had those moments? Everything in you desires that over the weekend. And then by Thursday, you start to fall back into the very thing and wanting the very thing that you thought you didn't want on the weekend. Why? What's shifted is that when we're not in the spirit, the desires of the sinful nature start to speak very loud again. When we're in the spirit and we're living and abiding in the spirit, this voice of the spirit of God puts desires in our hearts that are according to the will of God. And we start to live it because we want to live it. The Spirit puts something in us that we don't want to do that because we're children of God. There's there's a plan. God, I want to live for you today. I want to live for you today. I don't want to do that because I'm your child. I have a desire to do what's right because your Spirit puts that desire in me. We cannot just import God's desire. We Only the Spirit of God puts that desire in us. And so either we give way to one and the other one dies or vice versa. And so we stay in the spirit. But the third thing we need to be mindful is the back doors of our lives. What are the triggers in us that would lead to going down that path again? I don't know about you, but there's certain things that for me, I, 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 that can trip me up. One of them is being overtired. If I come to a place of being exhausted, I know I'm in dangerous territory because my spiritual senses are not so strong. And again, can I say from ministry being overtired, if I'm not finding a balance in my life personally, it opens a door in my life to other desires. How many ministers have you heard of fall into sexual sin or fall into all sorts of sin? It often isn't because they weren't spiritual beforehand. It's that they got somehow out of balance. Maybe overtired, overexhausted. And so instead of being aware of that back door, they start to give way to it because they're tired. You know, being bored is also not having enough things to fill up your time can be a dangerous place to be. Being too busy is a problem. Not being busy enough is also a problem. Maybe being lonely, maybe being fearful, maybe being stressed. You see, all of us, there's different triggers in our lives that will will lead us down a path that we don't necessarily want to be on. Again, I think even anyone who's come through addictions and gone through counseling or gone through AA or whatever, you, you look at the triggers of your life. What are the things that set you off? Do you know what? As believers, there are triggers in our lives that we have to watch. We have to put safety measures in place. 
There's a, a value to accountability. Okay, there's a value to having structure in your life, saying, actually, every morning I'm going to spend some time with God. You know, that helps you with self-control if you're spending time in a structured way with God. How am I going to resist my temptations if I'm so busy doing my own thing that God is somewhere in the back distance? I'll only find the strength if I structure my time. That every day I'm spending some time with him, spending time in his spirit. But also, as I mentioned, accountability is a great thing. Maybe it's people around you, being part of a life group, being part of a structure that uh, of other believers that can encourage you, that can support you. Again, those who are going through AA, what do they always have? They always have a sponsor, someone they can call, someone they can talk to. You know, I think all of us, we need people we can talk to. Well, the things that we struggle with. Again, we can turn those things to God, but we can also, we're part of a body that can encourage and support one another. Paul said he went into strict training. And I think to have strict training means we have an action plan. To move by the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to not give way. All of these things don't just happen, but only happens when we say, do you know what, I'm going to make every effort to go by the Spirit, to get into the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to have people around me that can support me. I'm going to watch the things in my life that would otherwise lead me to temptation. Christ has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we need to tap into his resource of the spirit. It's our, our lifeline. We have the choice as to whether we grab on or not, though. He says, I've given you everything you need. But the choice is yours as to whether you live by it or not. Can I encourage you just as I close to grab hold of the spirit of God who will produce self-control in you and in me. We need the spirit. I need the spirit. I don't have the strength. Paul didn't have the strength. But he did have the spirit. It just makes sense. God wants us to add more than just faith to our lives. He wants to see in us self-control happen. But again, I, I don't want you walking away from this message thinking, okay, I got to stop doing that. No, no, no. That's not the point. The point is I need to get more into the spirit. Whatever you think right now is what something's got to hold on you. Tell you what, let's bring that to the spirit of God. Let's press into the spirit of God. This message is not about trying to stop doing those things. The message is about pressing into the spirit. So we find the strength in him to stop doing those things. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.